Hello and welcome to the Respero podcast. I'm Joe Bishop with Respero Ministries and our goal with Respero is to help people have great relationships, to be great lovers and to enjoy the life they were created to live with themselves, with God, with others. And so that's what we're doing with this podcast, talking about relationships. And if you've uh, heard a few of these podcasts and they've been helpful or encouraging, I'd like to uh, ask you to do us a favor. If you could just tell others about it. And um, one other thing, just take a quick minute and go on iTunes uh, podcasts and leave us a review. And that way, the more people um, leave us a review, the more visible... Respero will be on iTunes and more people will be able to hear it. So we'd appreciate that. Uh, it just started to rain. I'm sitting here in my house in my study in Santa Cruz and this is our first rain of the year. So I'm not sure if that's going to be uh, showing up on the sound, but the rain's kind of beating down on the roof. Kind of fun. The first rains of the year. Uh, are always kind of enjoyable. We have a distinct rainy season here in California on the central coast and it's just starting. And I'm in here in my study and my wife, Kathy, uh, had just stuck her head in the door and asked me a question and then asked me what uh, this podcast was going to be about and I told her, well today I'm going to talk about differences and how we handle differences in our relationships in healthy ways and she said yep we've got a few and uh, closed the door and we do we've been married 40 almost 40 years and actually a couple days ago on November 1st was um, we were laughing about the uh, memories of our first date because it was on November 1st 1974 43 years ago we've been together 43 years and on that first date, it was uh, some of our some of our differences were pretty evident, and they still are, because differences are inevitable. I'm such a romantic guy. I took her on our first date to a Marx Brothers movie across the street from uh, my college dorm, and then we went back to my dorm room and ordered a pizza. Yeah, it was just uh, really romantic. I like the Marx Brothers humor. She didn't get it at all, and it probably wasn't her idea of the best first date ever, but we went on another date the very next day, so I guess it was okay. I had tickets to an Ohio State football game the next day, and I had invited a, a friend of mine, but I kind of blew him off the next morning because I wanted to take Kath to that game instead, so... We had a memorable first couple of dates, but man, we really have our differences in personality, and really every couple, every close relationship has to navigate the differences in family backgrounds and just personality differences and male-female differences. There's some point in, all the, in almost every marriage counseling experience um, as I'm working with couples, where one or both of them say, we're just so different. And that's the way it is for everybody. It's inevitable. 
So in our last, last podcast, we talked about acceptance and how crucial that is in healthy relationships. And then we mentioned how the two biggest obstacles to being able to accept each other are our differences and our disappointments. And that's why we're talking about differences today. And I want to focus on our interpersonal differences in, in our closest relationships. That's what I want to spend most of our time on in this, like in marriages and close friendships and in families. Uh, but I just want to say a few words about just our attitudes about uh, how we are thinking and talking and relating to people in our culture uh, generally and, and just how unhealthy the mood and the behavior is on this subject today in America and in the church, if we're honest. I talked about this just a little bit in the last podcast about acceptance, but so much needs to be said on this because we just are sliding further and further into this us versus them mentality and trying to define who's in and who's out, who's on my side, who's against uh, me and my tribe. And it's so divisive and it's just killing the witness of the church here in America, I think. Uh, I heard a story a woman was telling recently about a time when she was in an airport and she bought a little bag of chocolate chip cookies and she was sitting in the waiting area getting ready to board the plane and there was a guy sitting across the table from her. Uh, she didn't know, of course, and she figured he was probably from India because he was wearing a turban and he had dark skin and he didn't seem to speak English. Um, and so in between them on a table, there's a this the bag of chocolate chip cookies. And much to her surprise, and without saying a word, this guy on the other side reached over, opened up the bag and took a cookie and ate it. And she was just taken aback by this. So she reached down, she took a cookie and started to eat it to assert her ownership. And he just smiled and nodded and reached down and took another cookie and started eating it. And so she reached down, took two cookies, and ate both of them. She wasn't even hungry, but she wanted to send a message. And she talked about how in her mind now she's just making all kinds of uh, negative assumptions and just these people, they're all like that. They're so rude and offensive and greedy and and it kept going the guy smiles he takes two cookies and and eats them and they keep going back and forth till the whole bag's empty and she's just livid and and just uh angry and and thinking so many negative things about him and she walks onto the plane that they boarded the plane she takes her seat she looks into her purse and finds the bag of chocolate chip cookies that she had bought. It had been his bag that they'd been eating. And so not only had he not taken her stuff and been rude, she had taken his stuff without asking for it. And that's just one small example of how we make assumptions about the other, about how horrible they are, how wrong they are, how our minds go so quickly to 
vilifying the other person that we don't know, don't understand, because they're not like us, and we assume the worst. And really, we need to, we need to be looking at ourselves first and not, not making assumptions in small ways or in big ways. John Ortberg's one of my favorite speakers, and I was uh, listening to him recently, and he is talking about this very issue, and he says, we all do this, us versus them, around politics, around race, around culture and generations, around gender, around sexuality, around wealth, around education, and around religion and spirituality, and it's so destructive, and it leads to a really important question, a fundamental question for those of us that are followers of Jesus. And here's the question. When it comes to God, who is the in-group? When it comes to God, who is us and who is them? Which people does God identify with? What kind of music does God like? What kind of language does God speak? See, God made us in his image, but we all tend to remake God in our image and think, well, what I like, God likes. No, 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 no. People matter to God. Which people? All people. How much? More than you can possibly imagine. And that's so much at the core of the message that Jesus came to, to give and to teach. And he was committed to getting that across even if it killed him. And it did. It killed him. Because people rejected that message. And we are not getting it right today. So I want to recommend two books on this broad issue of just our attitude about the other. Uh, the two books, one of them is a very recent book called Mending the Divides. It's by uh, John Huckett and Jer Swigert, and uh, two guys who have an organization called the Global Immersion Project, and they're doing great work on peacemaking and helping us find ways to cooperate and love people who are very different than we are. And it's a, a, a convicting book. Uh, it's an important book, so I recommend it. The other book I would recommend on this issue is a, an older one, a classic called Exclusion or Embrace by Miroslav Volf. And it's just so important for us to be confronting this in issue in our own heart. How are we responding to people who are different than we are? Because this is the core of what it means to be the church and to live out the gospel. It is, it is unity and loving despite differences that shows the beauty and the power and the truth of the gospel and the nature of God. So we need to get this one right. I think it's very important to put ourselves in situations where we're around people that are different than we are. Um, I remember about 12 years ago, I realized I was living in a, a very affluent community and did not know a single poor person. And so I started volunteering with uh, an organization that was just feeding, getting food to people 
um, most of them who had AIDS and were very poor. And I just got to know some of them. I would do this twice a week, and uh, about 20 people were on my route, and it was so eye-opening and convicting for me and good and healthy for me. And I was not the hero, me bringing them food. I learned so much about you know their courage and so many of their their openness and generosity and humility and they were much more welcoming and and gracious and and grateful than than I was their hearts were really kinder in many ways than mine <laughs> right now I'm uh, in a situation where I'm teaching a class uh, over in the San Jose area, and it's all Chinese Christians, Chinese and Taiwanese people, and uh, we're meeting in a home, and Kathy and I are the only Caucasians, and these people are interesting and fun and gracious and really different. They're different foods, different holidays, different cultural backgrounds, different, just different in many ways, different language, and yet we we share a, a bond in Jesus, and we're learning together, and it's really fun and interesting, and I don't put myself in those situations nearly enough to understand and and just have relationships with people that are very different. And so I encourage, uh, I encourage you, this matters, how we are responding and relating to people that are different than we are. And so uh, let me switch now and just talk about in our closest relationships how we, how we accept one another even when we're so very different. One of the ways that we need to be able to uh, handle the differences that we all have in personalities and preferences, um, especially in our marriages, is we've got to be willing to recognize them, name them, talk about them with each other, and not try to deny or minimize them um, because there are many, many different ways that we can be different. I sometimes, when I'm doing a marriage counseling or a premarital counseling, I'll just have a couple kind of rate themselves on a scale of uh, on things like introversion or extroversion. Are you a morning person or a night person, a pessimist or an optimist? Do you tend towards being orderly or disorderly? Do you like to plan or do you like to be spontaneous? Do you have a low pain tolerance or a high pain tolerance? Are you more driven or more laid back? And those are the kind of things that just show up and we might be drawn to them initially. This almost always happens where these differences are what are part of the initial attraction that we have with another person um, to be in a romantic relationship with them or just enjoy them as a friend but then after a while they start being the things that frustrate us and uh, it can be the little things from the way you squeeze the tube of toothpaste or how you put the toilet paper roll on um, although everybody knows the, that you have to you know pull the toilet paper from the bottom not the top but it's, it's those little things uh, on up to the really big things that can 
end up driving a wedge between uh, us and our close relationships. Like when your parenting styles are different or your temperaments are so different that you can't agree on, on anything, where to go out to eat or where to go on vacation. And like I said, it's cute when you're dating, but then it becomes annoying when you get married. And, and if you allow them to, these differences can take center stage in, in our marriages and, and become such a huge source of friction that they drive us apart. And the big danger, the big danger around differences is when we begin to, to treat them as right or wrongs. So to be able to just define them as this is, these are differences, these are not right or wrongs is crucial. When I begin to think my way is right and the other person's way is wrong, and then I get angry or superior or contemptuous about that, or when I shut down part of my own personality and let the other person have their way so that the, other, so that the boat doesn't get rocked, or when I start comparing and thinking, ah, I shouldn't be with this person. If only I'd married somebody else, it wouldn't be this hard. That's when the, there's really danger. We all have these differences. We all have to work through them. Les Parrott is uh, someone who writes a lot on relationships in general and Christian marriages in particular. And he writes about the three phases that relationships and marriages go through. The first stage is called fusion. It's that stage where when people are first dating and they're or they're engaged and you, you know they're so close you can't see any space between them. It's, uh, it doesn't last long, and eventually, long enough in fusion, a relationship will move naturally into what is called differentiation. And that's the phase we're talking about with differences, where you separate from each other and, in, and hopefully in a very healthy way be, become two separate individuals, knowing yourself well enough to know who you are and what you want and what you need, and you can respect and value the other person and their differences, the ways in which they're different from you. And if you can go through that phase and do that well, you will eventually move into what Les Parrott refers to as mutuality. And that is God's vision for marriage. Uh, a oneness, an intimacy, two healthy individuals coming together in oneness. But the problem becomes when you get stuck in the differentiation and you don't navigate it well and your differences become its source of huge conflict. There are many places in scripture uh, where actually it sh it's, it's God showing us that it's, it is in our differences that we can love each other really well. Not in our similarities. That's the easy part. But learning to love in the differences is what helps us grow and stretches us and draws us closer to, to God, and as well as the other person. So how do we do that? Well, you have to make this commitment that you will not turn these differences into right or wrongs. The differences of like the way my family did it versus, you know, Kathy's family, or the personality differences. 
and this and instead of making them into right or wrong issues to express affirmation and gratitude for them and this is a choice and a practice and it's not easy but we have to be intentional about it to be looking for the ways that we can uh, say thank you for the ways our spouse or our friends are different than we are and to express affirmation and gratitude and be to be able to say uh, I really appreciate this about you it's it's really you know it's different but I love it that you're like that and that's gonna be a choice that we make and another thing we have to be very conscious about is not making it our goal to change the other person to make them more like us that's a choice that we make so if you're married to someone and you're struggling with the differences do not make it your goal to change them and get them to be more like you your marriage will be stronger as you learn to, to uh, actually not just tolerate but appreciate and over time come to enjoy the differences and we have to seek to understand the other person to understand uh, why they're different and why they are the way they are and we can do this primarily by listening we talked about that that in the last podcast on acceptance how important listening is but listening asking questions and just seeking to understand them um, sometimes in marriage counseling uh, therapists will use personality tests to identify the ways that you know a, a husband and a wife are different uh, Myers-Briggs test or the DISC test or strength finders are some of the more popular ones I actually prefer and recommend um, the Enneagram the Enneagram uh, has ancient roots and it's actually based on I think uh, a view of the human personality that is more accurate because it it reflects the complexity of what we are like as humans and doesn't just focus on our strengths there are many many uh, tools about the Enneagram uh, websites books that you can read and and online tests you can take and then that will help you even understand how if you're if you are um, a one there are nine different personality types um, the Enneagram actually Enea just means nine uh, so that's where the word comes from and if you uh, can take a test and figure out which you are and then what your spouse is or you know the other person that you're trying to be close to and there are many tools that will help you see how like a one and a five like interact with each other and how to understand each other and how to draw out the best in each other so the Enneagram can be very helpful with this so don't turn your differences into right or wrongs express affirmation and gratitude don't make it your goal to change the other person to make them more like you keep listening and then one other thing I would 
suggest is be careful in your communication to not use door slammers. And door slammers are just these uh, expressions or ways that we have of just shutting down healthy communication and shutting down any open discussion about our differences. And here are some of the classics. Here's what I mean by door slammers, when we interrupt the other person, when we're just constantly interrupting and not letting them finish their sentences, or, or when we assume we know what the other person's going to say and we finish their sentences for them. That's actually pretty disrespectful. Uh, another door slammer is when we discount the other person's emotion. In other words, when we communicate directly or indirectly that, that they should not feel the way they're feeling. That really um, is not healthy communication and that is not a good way to uh, move closer to each other. Uh, for instance, I was doing uh, premarital counseling once with a couple and they were struggling with this. Uh, the the wife or the the uh, the woman in this couple was was talking about, and this would happen week after week. It seemed like no matter what our topic for that week was, she would bring up how some something had happened during the week where she had expressed some kind of feeling, and her fiance had just jumped in and and tried to fix it and try and basically tell her why she shouldn't feel that way if she was discouraged or down about something that had happened that day he would tell her to cheer up and she didn't need to you know to feel badly or if she was frustrated with him he would tell her why she was wrong and and how he hadn't done anything wrong and just all the time was telling her why her emotions were wrong and she shouldn't feel that way. And that's a classic example of discounting the emotion. And when you do that, you're communicating to the other person that you don't you're uncomfortable with their with their emotions, with the ways in which they're different. When they feel and respond to situations differently than you do. And we actually tend to do that a lot, and we need to be very, very careful about it. I can still do that with Kath. I think I did that with my kids, and so to be conscious of that and choosing not to do that is important. That's a door slammer. Obviously, other door slammers are when we just jump in and correct the other person or, or criticize them, or when we give them unwanted advice and tell them uh, how to fix a problem or you know what they should be doing. Or when we use sarcasm or get immediately defensive, all those are door slammers. And they, they communicate uh, non-verbally that we're just not very interested in working through tough things and working through the differences, that, we, that our feelings are more important, our point of view is more important than the other person's. And we really just we want to shut them down. So those are some of the ways that are negative that we handle our differences. So I encourage you to be very, very careful about that. Well, let me just uh, finish by talking about a few things 
in our my own marriage and how this has played out. And then just uh, a few comments about why this is so hard, why it's so hard for us to accept uh, and draw close to other people who are different than us. I'm very, very grateful for Kathy and, uh, and for her heart and, and graciousness towards me. Uh, one of the ways that we're very, very different is she's uh, a list person, and when there are things to be done on the list, she likes to tackle them immediately and get them done, and it's hard for her to relax until she's, you know, the project or the, the, the things which need doing are done. And I'm not like that. <laughs> I can relax. I can watch the ball game. I can, um, you know, do something else even when there are things that need doing and they haven't been done yet. And of course, that, you know, that's rife with frustration and with the potential for frustration because there'll be things to do and she'll want to get them done, but I put it off. I tend to put things off. And she's helped me. I think our differences have have led to greater strength. I think I've helped her learn how to relax and that life doesn't depend on, you know, getting everything done and doing it right and, you know, the competence part of it. But she's helped me see that things need to get done and you need to get on them and sometimes you know there's it's better to just tackle that list that stuff still comes up for us 43 years after our first date this week it'll come up next week um, <laughs> just this morning we uh, we had to take one of our cars over to the dealer because there was a recall on it, and I think I'd probably gotten uh, only about 700 uh, messages about this recall, and Kath had asked me to, you know, take care of it. Would you please take care of it? And I just keep putting it off and not doing it, and she's been gracious about not nagging or being critical or, but just kind of clearly expressing and that that's the difference she would have done it after the first message she would have scheduled it gotten it done I just put things off and I know it bugs her and I have to be willing to uh, because I'm married to her and I'm committed to her be willing to choose to do what is different for me or stretches me on her behalf the personality differences are not necessarily right or wrong, but if I continue to do things that I know bug my wife and that really are things that I could that I could learn to be different and they would benefit her, then I think it's important for me and for all of us to to be willing to do that and stretch ourselves in the name of love in the name of unity and joy and oneness and peace in the best ways. So don't focus on how the other person is different than you. Focus on how 
in your relationships, what can you do that even though maybe it's not natural for you, would really be a blessing and a benefit to your spouse, your friends, your co-workers, and just be willing to listen and understand and learn how to love them a little bit better. Why is this so hard? Why is it so hard for us to, to accept each other? Why, is it, why do we tend to so quickly go to uh, the other person is wrong or that group is wrong or their opinions are wrong and they're different so we're better? We want to break the world down into us versus them. And I think underneath it all is insecurity. If I could just pick one word, it's insecurity. We need somebody to, that we can feel like, well, we're better than them or we're superior so that we can feel better about ourselves. So underneath it all is this fear that we don't have what it takes or that we're not loved or lovable. It all goes back to identity. It really, really does. And that's why to change the world to change our families, to change our churches, our faith communities, our closest relationships, the best thing that can happen is if we all learn how to believe and live out of and enjoy the reality that the God who made us loves us unconditionally and values us and knows us and is delighted in us. And the same is true for everybody else. So I don't have to compete. I don't have to compare because I have that which my soul longs for, the unconditional love of the God who made me. The world is not a place of scarcity. The world is a place of abundance when it comes to love. So, accept one another, even when we're different. So, so important. And remember, I'm just going to close with the same blessing as always, because this is from the God who made us. He wants to bless us. So, um, may the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. Amen.